Dylan. What? Um, I don't know if you've heard, but... I don't like where this little... is going. There's a song apparently being made. I'm... No, 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 not yet. But there's apparently a situation down in the uh, southeast part of the country where our buddy is. Oh. There's no gas. Oh. But, well, no, not anymore. The, the pipeline paid the ransomware. Yes, they paid the ransomware, but for a few days... The hackers won. The hackers win. Not like yet. It, there is southeastern United States. It's a, it's what can only be described as a Mad Max situation. Yes. Um, gas stations closed, tanks on empty, people stabbing each other in cold blood in gas station parking lots, <laughs> fighting over the last droplets of, of gasoline. It's a mess. Duh. The only reason I bring this up is because I found something on Twitter, which I am 99.999% is not true, but it might be the funniest fucking thing I've ever read in my life. That's a pretty big box, a chick. A source at Colonial Pipeline said the hackers were able to gain access to their computer systems through a phishing scheme. According to the source, an email clicked on, an employee clicked on a link in an email titled more like... <laughs> Kansas City. Kansas spelled C-A-N-S-A-S. What? The email contained an image God. of a large-breasted female in the Kansas City Chiefs bikini <laughs> with the link promising additional Oh, pictures. my God. <laughs> uh, it's too easy. So, horny wins. That's all we've ever known is that horny wins. The power of boners is too strong. I just saw that on Twitter and I couldn't not share it because it might be the funniest fucking thing I've ever read. Well, yeah, oh my but God. it also coincides with a little bit of what we watched today. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Please explain, Dylan. Because it happened in Kansas. Oh, yeah, It did yeah. partially happen in Kansas. That was a great tie-in, Dylan. Yeah, um, so... Welcome to the Binge Picture Podcast. Welcome, Binge Picture Podcast. This is the podcast where each week the three of us are going to watch every single movie that's won Best Picture at the Oscars at random. I am one of your hosts, Ross Benbenek, joined by Caleb Weed. Dylan, because he somehow is here. I don't know how. He made it. They didn't sell me to an Undertaker this time. It's great. Now he's coming back under his own power. We love it. I know. Love to see it. Under own power is a strong word. Two consecutive episodes, man. Bravo, bravo. Proud of golf, you. golf clap. It's gonna be a pain in the ass to mix later. <laughs> <laughs> just, just cut Sorry. it out, and then just, and then just be like, hey, hey, just put in the synchronized clap. You uh, just that's run why the, I didn't clap. Applause track. Mm-hmm. Um, now before one last thing before we get into the movie for the week, I have some very, very good news. Oh boy, is this... Are we sharing? The Golden Globes have been cancelled. Ooh. At least, they're not... The N- NBC is not airing the Golden Globes. I'm sure the Hollywood Foreign Press Association, being the pieces of shit they are, still gonna try and host it, but... It will not be on TV. It will not be on television. The Oscars win. Yeah. That's why... That's, I'm, glad, I'm glad this is not the Golden Globes... Podcast. It's... Uh, well, if it was the Golden Globes podcast, we'd have twice as many movies because they did give two best pictures every year. Oh, because they give uh, drama and comedy. Oh, Dylan is standing up. Oh my God, he has risen. 
<laughs> did he find did he find his headphone jack um so yeah uh the hollywood foreign press association is problematic as all hell and this um, is true uh they, we i think we all there was a fair bit of rejoicing when nbc pulled the plug on that are we supposed yeah. to say fuck uh, the golden globes now yes fuck the golden globes fuck them royally they are a bunch of dicks it's yeah. true Obviously, I'm not going to go into extensive details about. Not going to go into extensive detail about it. It's all been fairly well documented elsewhere. People know. Yeah, we also got um, the binge picture podcast got their our first endorsement this week. Fuck. So big news, big news. Um, I we got a a wonderful email, um, and I think I should read it. You guys. Oh no. Yeah, we're gonna read not it. the entire thing. Not the whole thing, Caleb. Oh yeah, this is great. This is our first endorsement. Oh, this, is a, this is a very important. You guys, be more upbeat. These guys are trying to give us money and shit. So pull it together. No, <clears throat> I will. I refuse. This is a lovely email. Um, I respect the commitment to the bit, Caleb. <laughs> Caleb, no, please. Uh, so we got endorsed. We got an email from the American Sleep Study Society, uh, whose whose acronym is ASS with three S's. Um, and they said, "Hey, wanted to send you a quick note of appreciation concerning your most recent episode of your show. Um, as you may be aware, ASS is the preeminent labor union for medical professionals practicing somnology, also known as the study of sleep. Our government, members, government legally." Yeah, our members provide medical consultation to the millions of people all over the country suffering from sleep disorders, most commonly insomnia. Um, and they say this week an ASS member practicing in San Jose, California, discovered the Binge Picture podcast and has shown tremendous promise um, in greatly reducing the symptoms or in some case curing altogether severe cases of chronic insomnia. Um, so the ASS member in question has been playing our most recent episode for patients in their examination rooms, resulting in a high percentage of patients becoming uncontrollably drowsy within mere minutes. Some patients who have not slept in weeks are passing out cold by the end of the opening theme song. He really is just going through the whole email. He is going through the goddamn whole email. I'm so and excited. Here's the thing. We don't need to because you're just going to stab us in the heart and you're just going to call it boring. That's all you've just called us. I know. Like, literally, they endorsed us. Yes, and should we... Ross, if we're going to go with this, uh, Ross, who sent the email? Uh, I'm not going to point any fingers. Ross, who was who is the sender of said of this email, of this endorsement? I don't know. Ass. <laughs> At, we, the podcast has been endorsed by Ass. Oh, you want to... This podcast has been endorsed by Ass, and then the sender of d- this is just... Wait, what? Sorry, yes. Sorry. Uh-huh. I'm looking for See? it. I'm looking for the email. As if you know. They say, um, we would like to offer Binge Picture Podcast the resounding endorsement of Ass and wish the show continued success. Ass, Ass, and titties. <laughs> Your show has changed the lives of countless patients suffering from sleep disorders and will undoubtedly continue to improve the conditions of thousands more in episodes to come. If there is anything Ass can do for your show in the future, please do not hesitate to contact us. Listen, Dylan, you've got to at least respect his commitment to this bit. It's a commitment, but I have the forwarded email. Now, before we could see legally, government, government legally, don't sue us. This is a bit, please. Are you, do we have to put that in? It's parody. For the love of God, this place doesn't exist. Oh, wait, it does exist. I looked it up. 
You guys suck. The podcast got endorsed by ass. You want to hear about Unforgiven? (laughs) (laughs) Unforgiven. He's so mad. It's from 1992, directed by Clint Eastwood. 65th Um, Best Picture winner. 65th Best Picture winner. In uh, 1880, in the small town of Big Whiskey, Wyoming, two cowboys, Quick Mike, played by David Mucci, and Davy Bunting, played by Rob Campbell, are hooking up with prostitutes upstairs at Skinny Dubois, Dubois, um, Saloon. Dubois. Dubois. Um, Dubois, I don't know, whatever. Uh, so, uh, But when Delilah Fitzgerald, played by Anna Thompson, lets out a small giggle at the diminutive size of Quick Mike's pecker, he and Davy Bunting brutally attack her and slash her face really badly. The two cowboys are arrested by the sheriff, Little Bill Daggett, the untouchable, incredible Gene Hackman. Who won um, Best Supporting Actor for his he performance. He did, as uh, the sheriff, Little Bill Daggett. Um, uh, but he decides, rather than to put them to death, as the prostitutes are advocating for, he simply requests the two bring Skinny Dubois uh, a few horses to make up for the loss of revenue due to the maiming of one of his prostitutes. And the women at the brothel are pissed. And so they take matters into their own hands and decide to offer a $1,000 reward for the death of the two cowboys. And so the stage is set. Um, over in Hodgman County, Kansas. Cans. What? What, what? Yes, cans. You can. You <laughs> um, found out a word. Cans ass. <clears throat> With um, two bits combined there. Oh, yes. We are introduced to William Money, Clint Eastwood, um, who starred and directed this film. He's widowed. He's repentant. He's working a small, struggling hog farm with his two small children. Um, separating and, the feverish hogs from the safe hogs. Yeah, it's going down in flames over there. So, But one day, a young man who calls himself the Schofield Kid, who's James Wolvett is the actor's name. Um, Do we ever he, learn his real name, or is he just the Schofield Kid the whole time? All the credits were Schofield Kid. Yeah, it's just Schofield Kid. kid. Um, I mean, that's the, the best name to go by. You want to be a criminal? <laughs> you don't use your real name. You just use no, that. You're right. Just be the kid. The Schofield Kid. Um, he visits the farm, tries to recruit Mooney to join him to hunt the cowboys from Big Whiskey, um, and split the reward. And here is when we begin to see that Mooney is rather notorious for his violence as a cowboy, um, but he's given up that life for for his family. He's, he's quit drinking, and he's otherwise straightened himself up. And so, of course, because of this, he declines the Schofield kids' offer, but his hogs, as Ross said, are de- they're, they're diseased, the farm is failing, um, and after thinking on it for a second, he, he changes his mind. He goes and finds his old partner, Ned Logan, who's Morgan Freeman. Um, and the two catch up with the Schofield kid and Morgan they set off. Morgan Freeman. Oh, yeah. And they set off for big whiskey Wyoming. Um, and meanwhile, back in Wyoming, you got English Bob, um, who's played by Richard Harris. He's a cowboy gunslinger who arrives in big whiskey with his biographer, W.W. Bouchamp. Um, my uh, Emily thought was John Oliver at first because he looked just like John Oliver. He did look sort of similar to John Oliver. Wait, who looked like John Oliver? The biographer. The biographer. He's not John Oliver. He's Saul Rubinek. Yeah, but he looks just like John Oliver. Yeah, he he, he, he was a very funny character too, um, which I want to talk about him more because he's very, he's very special character in terms of the way this is written trying to remember Um, what he looks like so give me a second i think i know who you're talking about but continue it's the biography got the vest he's kind of heavy set got a top hat and glasses sideburns all the all the crazy 
eighteen. He looks, he stuff. looks very old Westy. Old Westy. Um, so English Bob and his biographer arrive and they're seeking the reward for themselves. Um, the thing about Big Whiskey is there is an ordinance banning all firearms in the town, and the ordinance is strictly enforced by Little Bill, the sheriff. It, it, he is the one who put the ordinance in place, correct? Correct. He is a little egotistical. He's, but he well, likes yeah, enforcing you want, his ordinances. You want if you're going to pit up a bad guy, like a very bad human, against like another bad human, you're going to make him cocky, and then you're going to make the other one quiet. Yeah, there. Yeah, Dylan does raise a good point there. There are no like pure. No, everyone in here is a piece good of shit, guys. I want. I would say, and like it's the only one who you can like kind of give it to who's like a decent human is Schofield but because he learned he like even though he kills someone he's like oh god what have I done and that's about Oof. it well we're gonna talk about about what all the characters mean and, and the anti-hero tropes and mm-hmm. there's a lot in there I don't even think um, it, it's anti-hero it's they're all just shit people <laughs> they're all yeah. just bad guys so anti-heroes perhaps anyway um English Bob and Little Bill have a history. Um, and so English Bob and the biographer are arrested for failing to turn in their firearms. And, and Little just... Bill beats the shit out of them savagely. Yeah. He makes an example of them to discourage other cowboys from trying to claim the bounty. I um, will say it was, it was a little jarring to see Dumbledore get the shit kicked out of him like Dude, that. He got fucked up. And we'll talk about that scene maybe a little bit later. I love when, when they throw him in jail. And there's the, oh, yeah, whole, the whole take the gun scene. Yeah, the little yeah. ego showdown. Um, <clears throat> but soon after this, uh, Money, Logan, and the kid arrive in Big Whiskey and head for the saloon. The kid and Logan go upstairs to <clears throat> play billiards with the prostitutes. Um, oh, for the love of God, and... they're going to make sweet, voluptuous love. Paid sweet, voluptuous love, but still. Love none they say they're going to play billiards, though. Yes, that's what's what you ask yes, for. Yes, they're going to the take bar. the pole and put it in the pocket. Yes, of course. We get it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. Okay, Um, money is feverish. He's, this is Clint Eastwood. He's super sick and also super sober because he quit the, quit the booze. He's sitting alone at the table downstairs while his two partners are upstairs. Um, and Little Bill and the posse arrive, and his posse, Little Bill's posse, all the uh, deputies, arrive at the saloon to confiscate their firearms. Um, he, Little Bill, likes to beat people up. He beats up money, takes his gun, and meanwhile, Logan and the kid escape out the back window, and the three rendezvous in a barn outside of town. And Money is, is nursed back to health over the course of a couple days. Um, he, has and this, then, he has this really good scene where he's like... I don't like where he has this whole monologue about how he's afraid of death and how he doesn't want to die. Yeah. Who doesn't oh, like who does money? Clint Eastwood. Yeah, he does. Sorry. I've going in and out right now just because of things, but no, that's a really great scene. It is. Um, so the three cowboys are rendezvoused back together and they ambush their first bounty target, Davy Bunting in the wilderness and they kill him. Um, but Logan has a, has a moral conflict, and he resolves then and there never to kill again. Um, and he decides to head back to Kansas, and he leaves the kid and money on their own. And the two decide to push on and kill the second cowboy, Quick Mike, whom they ambush while he uses the outhouse. Um, with the Schofield kid firing three shots into his chest. While he is pooping. Oh, yeah. Um, that's how I'd want to go, to be honest. I mean... That sounds a terrible way to die. 
I don't want to hear that. That's a terrible way he to die. You die on the Elvis shitter? On the shitter. <laughs> Fuck that. <clears throat> um, so, okay. The kid who had, he, the kid was like all pompous about killing five people and being all this tough guy, but he's a, he's a kid. And he, this is, he confesses tearfully that this is his first kill. And he pledges then and there, as did Logan, uh, never to kill again and to get out of the killing business. Um, so, but they've, they've, they've assassinated their two targets. So one of the prostitutes arrives to give them their reward money. And she reveals that Logan had been captured by Little Bill and Little Bill's posse. And, uh, he'd been tortured and killed in Big Whiskey where his body was now on display, um, as a warning to future, um, assassins. And about now, um, money, money starts drinking again. Um, he knows that shit's about to go down. And so he starts drinking and uh, so Little Bill's assembling a posse of deputies to go hunt for money and the kid, but uh, Money and the kid return to Big Whiskey and get vengeance for Logan. So Money uh, kills Little Bill in a shootout, and he warns the citizens of Big Whiskey that he will return for more vengeance if Logan isn't properly and like respectfully buried, or if anyone lays a hand on the prostitutes again. He's coming back. I, I ain't just gonna kill him. I'm gonna kill his wife, his kids, burn his house down. It was, it was about like that, yeah. Was that a was that a Eastwood impression? Yes, a low effort one. Yeah, yeah I was gonna say that was dog shit. Do better. That's anyway, right. I wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> that hence the low effort part. Um, so that is that is our plot. What did you guys think? Did you enjoy? I, well, this I one? liked your plot synopsis. You, I think you Thank just you. read the Wikipedia page. No, sir. I've got my own notes. Thank you very much. Um, a likely story. I disagree. So, you kind of you kind of breeze through this bit at the very end, but um, the end shootout mm, when yes. he's in the saloon and he just wipes out five dudes and then is just like, "The rest of you better get the fuck out of here right now!" And yep. everybody's everybody just leaves. Like, um, yeah, that was a great scene. The whole movie, shit. like. Little Bill had been talking about how it's not the it's not the cowboy who has the quickest draw. It's the one who's the coolest under pressure who's going to win yeah. a fight. And he was like, money at the end was the epitome of cool under pressure. Yeah, he, I mean it's fucking Clint Eastwood, man. He plays that so well. Absolutely. Well, he's, that's all he really plays is like this calm, cool, collected. Let's be honest, killer. And yeah, or like just a calm, cool, collected human. Um. Overall. I fucking loved it. That's a great yes, movie. It it's fantastic. by far the best one we've watched. Ross, we were talking about this a little bit, kind of, but the the genre deconstruction in this is yeah. unbelievable. It takes it's all so your expectations. It takes all your expectations for what a western is, based on what so 1982. So what 40, 50 years of experience with the western genre, mm-hmm. and at every single point where you think a certain it's going to go a certain way, it just kind of zags. Yep, and there, there's not a single Western cliche in this whole movie. Yeah. Well, because Clint Eastwood directed this, right? He directed, made yes. it, he wrote it. I think he wrote it. He did not write it. He didn't, um, no, he was not a writer, but he directed it. He has a say in how this David, thing goes, so David he probably Webb just went like, nah, none of that. It. Nah, none of that. Okay, let's go with a bit of that, you know? Yeah, no, he, he, every, every frame was very calculated. I'm yeah. not talking about frame. I'm talking about the writing because he's worked in all these kind of westerns, like modern westerns or like spaghetti westerns or just like a western. So he's kind of had his fill of it and he just went, nah, I'm going to do something better. 
Absolutely. It was written by David Webb Peoples. I know we were all talking over each other. He also wrote Blade Runner. Oh, um, I was literally just about to pull up his Wikipedia. So yeah. the dude that wrote this can fucking write. This yes. wasn't a fluke. It was fantastically written. The dialogue is unbelievable. Yeah. You never, they never lay anything on too thick. It's like all the mm-hmm. characters talk about each other, and you get little windows into... I did Who love one conversation. Mm-hmm. It's when the prostitute comes back and tells him Logan's dead. And it's just like, she says a line and all Clint Eastwood says is just, he just repeats it back. It's like, they beat him. They beat him. And it just like goes well, back listen, and forth for a while. Clint Eastwood's scowl is basically a character unto itself. Clint, like, that Clint Eastwood like, has resting scowl face. Like his whole... <laughs> He has made a living in Hollywood for, what, 70 years now. Probably. Just looking grumpy. Looking, Isn't that well, what just Gran Torino is? Him just being a grump? It's, yeah, it's it's the cliche, like, it's the it's the man's man. It's the man. Yeah, he's, he's the epitome. It's all sort of masculinity in film is, is, is what you think of. You think of Clint Eastwood. Yeah. You like, think of, you don't just think of Eastwood, you think of... Like the Eastwoods, the um, oh fuck, John Wayne's, like the old yeah, Western his, stars. His trope, um, definitely. I can go into the genre deconstruction a little more. Um, Dude, yeah, let's hit me with it. So only like this works so well because it's Clinton Eastwood. Eastwood. Yeah. Um We we were just talking. He he defined he defined the cliches of the Western in his in his work. His face is behind so many legendary cowboy performances. Um, Dirty Harry, The Man With No Name, you know. So with Unforgiven, it's such a curveball because, like, everyone would show up and go to this and expect The Man With No Name, but instead they get a Western with no cliches, like we said. He absolutely subverts all expectations. you, You get an Eastwood character who is older, is wiser, who has moved past the violence, uh, the unnecessary violence of his past and regrets the things he's done. Well, this movie's just all about regret. Yeah, this movie is, it's all about This movie's like sole purpose for existing is just talking about regret and like having like Mm -hmm. the regrets of being this violent person or being or not being this violent person. And like you see that with the Schofield and Logan where it's just, um, Freeman learns it too late. Logan, I should mm-hmm. say, learns it too late, and Schofield learns it just in time. Essentially, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah Schofi- absolutely. Schofield is like the audience. You come into this expecting this bravado. You, he's this young, energetic. Um, yeah, this young, energetic character who's projecting all yeah, yeah. of this traditional Western masculinity that you see in the films of the '60s and the '50s, and I guess the '70s. Although by that point, it had died down. But then when he actually experiences that shit, he's like, oh, yep. I have that. Ex- I have that written down. Well, um, that's how most of it is. Like, if you always see like the movies where it's like everyone glorifies violence or glorifies war. But then when you get like that realistic sense behind it of just like there is no real like glory, it's just all like slaughter and like all that. Mm-hmm. You get this idea of like realism. And with that realism, yeah. you get Schofield and you get Logan and you get and, the, and the biographer. As well, yeah. and they're the, both. The biographer is more so or less the glorifier, not the glorify e. His goal it's is to make same. it all like pompous and circumstance, and like mm-hmm. with money, it's he's just 
he's but he's done. just regr- he the biographer is so just regurgitating done. stories that he's being told. Um, but yeah, the, both the biographer and the Schofield kid are enveloped in the romantic. It's romanticized notion. Yeah, it's the wild, wild west, right? And then they're yeah. thrown into it, and the reality of the and the violence and the lawlessness and the chaos, it becomes like so much to handle. Yeah, it's um, a, this movie did does for westerns what the first thirty minutes of Saving Private Ryan did for war films. Where it takes away the roman the romantic the romanticization romantic yeah. it doesn't romanticize yeah. it it puts you in the moment it makes it real and you are just hit with the brutal oh fuck this is actually not fun at all this is just miserable and horrible it's real they're not sugarcoating it they're not being like the person takes like fifty bullets and then throws the grenade it's yeah. like <clears throat> yeah it's so like spaghetti westerns Clint Eastwood's body of work really up until his revisionist take on the western in, in unforgiven the the westerns like there's just an endless playground of of desert sand and cacti and you yeah. can go do whatever you want and and in this it's a deadly like inescapable hellscape of of trauma and fear and anxiety and like watching this film you realize that because you're not you don't yeah. go in expecting that and then you realize it along with the biographer and the Schofield kid. And the more time we spend with money, the more we realize like, like this is real shit. Yeah. And and I, dude, I just love that. Um, mm-hmm. It's they re- very well done. It, you, they realize that, Oh, this guy we idolize is actually just fucking miserable and hates everything he's done. Well, yeah, because in the moment it seems like, how, yeah, great. But like, I think in this, they're like, different reasons for why characters commit violence. Like, we already talked about one, or I talked about one, where it's like, Logan and Kid just see this violence and go, nope! But then you have, I th- I want to call, oh god, I'm forgetting his name, um, Bill, Bill, who, Little Bill. who does violence Little Bill. for Lex violence Luther. sake. He does violence for violence sake, and like, doesn't care about the ramifications. And that's what it's you because get. Because he holds the power in the town, so why would he give a shit? Yeah, but like, even that, like, it's this idea, it's like with that power, you can do whatever the hell you want. And then when it comes to money, he just kills again because he believes he's doing the right thing. Well, in a lot of previous westerns, there's like this vigilante justice thing where people are, like, your main characters are usually like, they are usually chasing a bounty or they're doing you know, something that's vaguely bringing justice to the situation. Even if they are a marshal or a sheriff, they're still doing something a little questionable. Yeah. In this it's, everyone's just in the shit. Like no one's doing things really for good reasons, I guess, except for money. Because he's just trying to get money for his kids. But he's still... He's killing people and he hates it. Well, that's his justification for, like, trying not to be his past self. Like, because he's like, I don't know, I yeah. gotta save my farm, I gotta save my kids. But when you look back at it, it's not a lot of... It brings him back into drinking. It, it Yeah. Yeah, he, all the progress he made of not going back to violence, not going so back is, to alcohol. There is sort of a happy ending, because in the, like... Well, we don't know, know that. And the epilogue it's just like, no, we do. fuck the, the farm. Uh, <laughs> that's it. There's... An on-screen thing that says like they they went he moved with his family to San Francisco and got the textiles. I feel like yeah. the ending would have been a lot better if that epilogue wasn't there. You know what yeah. I mean? Like if that wasn't there, we would have had this better idea of just like it would have been like this better ending of just like no real 
like, what's the word I'm looking for? Or phrase. I don't know what I'm looking for exactly, but I just, I don't like, unless I'm shown it in a movie, I don't want to read it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, if they had just left it on the side, on the hillside with the sunset behind it and just kind of left it at that. That would have um, been perfect. It would have left it a little just bit a little more, more ambiguous. A little more restraint, yeah. Mm-hmm. But I don't have like, a and, But they were like, well, we gotta give it a happy ending. And we're like, no, you don't. You've spent this entire film trying to demonstrate that violence is bad, so leave it at that. Leave it at this ambiguous ending where his money probably didn't help his kids. Or even better, leave it, leave it with Clint Eastwood riding off into the rainy, stormy night. And have Clint Eastwood ride off into the distance with the genre, like have Eastwood and the genre he popularized walk off together. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's because, what that scene I mean, would have wh- done, and that would have been better. What? So much like, finesse. Yeah, you just that little, little salt bay situation mm-hmm. at the end. Because I mean, like, obviously they're making, they're still making westerns, but I think in terms of like the traditional set in the old west style western, this is the last of the really, really big ones. Because like we can talk about Hell or High Water or No Country for Old Men as westerns for days, but they're not set, you know, in the traditional Old West sense. Yeah, but you got like True Grit. They're set in today's Old West set. Like if the Old West existed today, and they captured it really well in Hell or High Water. Yeah, Hell or High Water is great, but I mean, I'm saying like, and True Grit got some traction, but it was still kind of just a remake. Yeah, you know. So like, this was the last of the. This was kind of the last hurrah of the westerns it died down it had its one last moment with eastwood here in the 90s but as far as traditional set in the old west westerns we don't really see it anymore and i think it's really fitting that it kind of faded out with its biggest star Mm -hmm. yeah i think the other way uh the other way you can read this movie is with the de-romanticize the de-romanticizing um of the western it sort of hints at the fact that you can't ha- you cannot have the romanticized version without extraordinary violence and before that was all sort of well violence and westerns were always hand in hand there was never this idea that well, one can exist without the other let me get to the point that the cowboy trope that we're so familiar with is elevated at the expense of native americans and and the film never explicitly mentions Native Americans, obviously, but it's definitely, I think, one way with this revisionist take is one way you could read it. I don't, just, yeah. I don't know, thinking outside the box. If it's not really in the movie, then you can't really look at it like that, you know? Like, in today's standards, we can, because people, like, Americans were pieces of shit to Native Americans. But, like... Dylan, what do you mean were? This country is still... Oh, shut up, you know what I mean. What's up with the past tense? <laughs> shut Jeez. up! For the love of God, we all know. God damn. But like, no, it's just like, if you wanted to make that a theme in the movie, you would have put that in the movie, and they weren't going for that this time around. Well, but they were going for the, like, they were bringing much more, like, terribleness to the romanticized cowboy tropes. Mm -hmm. And you can carry that a step further and be like, oh, shit, yeah, there's a lot of stuff that they don't show us in the good, the bad, the ugly. Yeah, I like how, like, I mean, in Westerns, when they started out with Gary Cooper, like, in things like Stagecoach and in, um, fuck, I just watched it this week. Um, fuck, High Noon. Mm. Um, they kind of start out as this, the genre starts out kind of having this I- idealistic, per- 
perfect main character who is kind of, you know, more has the moral high ground, who does the honorable thing. And then as we get further along into the 60s and when the 60s film boom happens, we get the spaghetti westerns where you have these more anti-hero type people with Eastwood's uh, man with no name. Uh, but you still kind of have those honorable characters in there, and these anti-heroes still kind of have this honorable aura to them. Like the man, man with a no name, I would, certainly wouldn't call him a hero in the traditional sense, but he still does the right thing at a lot of points in time. And then un- what Unforgiven does is it takes the your expectation of there's going to be one good person. We have one good person to root for in this movie. And it flips it on his head. It's like, oh, there's all no of these guys for in done, this movie. Yeah, all of these people have done sh- horrible, horrible things, and they continue to do these horrible, horrible things. And it just—it's a much more bleak and realistic look at the genre, I think. And absolutely, I mean, it was just fucking great. It was really good. It was my favorite movie we've watched. Yeah, thus I think it—it it, 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 the shootout at the saloon at the end inched it past. It, it happened one night for me. Uh, I also want to talk about how well this movie was shot. Like, the cinematography was incredible. Oh, this was the best shot movie we've watched so far. It was gorgeous. Um, Ross, what so, happened else? What else happened in this year? In 92? Well, before we, get to, before, we get to ni- before we get to year in film, I've got a couple things for you. First up, um, score, uh, 1 to 10. What are you guys giving this? 5. Whoa! Wait, wait. The movie or the score, as in the music? No, the, no. The the movie. <laughs> oh, the I movie. thought you meant the music what? because You're you scoring didn't read the into score. What You're do score. you score this movie? That's a new you segment let, on When I BPP. hear score, I think mu- music. Okay, no. rating. Yeah. Rating. rating. Thank One. you, child, for the love of Nazareth. So, so what is your rating, motherfucker? Yeah, you know what? You don't Spit get it. Out, it. You don't get it first. Caleb, go first. All right, I'm a nine out of ten. Nine out of ten. That's good. I like it. It was it was great. It was really yep. good. I'm going eight point five. Okay. Out of spite, I just wanna wanna make it a no one. Spite. I just wanna no make much, it a one. How just much because, did you because like spite. Because when spite, the credits because I'm rolled for my for my co-host's lack of art, articulation. Pick a fucking number. I just popped my pee so hard. <laughs> yeah, we need I, we need to get some fucking eight point seven five. Okay. Uh, okay, we're not doing fucking seven fives 8. here. Round 7, up or down? Eight point seven five. Live with it. It's you know um, what? It's a valid rating. We didn't. We didn't. We've never set that rule. Although that's it is true. dangerous territory. <laughs> we're gonna have a weird decimal every week now from from the dill <laughs> pickle over here. <laughs> God damn it! Either way, that averages out to an eight point seven five. It does make the which, averaging easier. Which hold on, let me if I let me pull up the letterbox list real quick and see because I that's our highest rated down. movie. I yeah, I it's think the it's the highest rated. By you don't far. you don't need to look it up. It's our highest rated movie. Yeah. Um hold on. Give me one moment. I I need to update the I need to put the <laughs> I need to put Oliver and um uh it, fucking the boring movie Man for All Seasons on here. Um so Oliver was a 7.6. So this one oh, yeah. is a full a point ahead for number 1 right now. Out of the water. Right. Um so before one last thing before we get into year in film, I wrote completely original composition about this movie oh jesus christ <laughs> here we go Let's, and this he's been is, teasing this all week so it is a completely original composition that i totally did not just adapt the lyrics to another popular song to just don't send this to james hetfield of metallica oh no 
He weird owled Metallica. No, Did, he, I, think, he, I think Dylan. I think it just from Metallica. I think it just connected with Dylan. I know what he's doing. All right, <clears throat> here we go. Gene Hackman, Clint Eastwood, Morgan Freeman's got a gun. Schofield Kid, The Old West, revisionist western film. Gene Hackman, Clint Eastwood, Richard Harris plays English Bob. Best Picture, '92. And so I call this Unforgiven. Wow. You you know you had some good notes held over, but at the same point, I'm just trying not to break the audio with all the face palms I want to do. No, 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 no. Just focus on the lyrics, though. That was... You, sh- you should be writing westerns, bro. James Hetfield ain't got shit on me. <laughs> Except, you know, the Rock and, Roll, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, the countless millions of dollars, the countless other songs he wrote, and musical talent. I said what I said. James Hetfield ain't got shit on me. So if I get James Hetfield to respond to that, what will you do? Let's get James Hetfield on the podcast. Actually, no, let's not do that. He's all, no, 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 no. We're not bringing James. <laughs> You've offered Hold it. On. it. He has been summoned. Oh, if we say his name words, two more times in the mirror, he'll he'll show up. The words are in the universe now. You can't take him back. Um, <laughs> no, no, I'm taking that back. <laughs> James Hetfield said some out bad stuff. Format. I'm not bringing What? You're going to put this out in audio format. Into the world. Please don't come on this podcast. (laughs) You're in film. What's up with 1992, Ross? Well, 92 was a fucking great year. Indeed. So, obviously, Unforgiven won Best Picture. But then our other nominees that year were A Few Good Men, which is very good. Um, Howard's End, Scent of a Woman, and The Crying Game. Um, The only one of those I've seen is A Few Good Men. Dylan's good at crying games. Yes. I resent that comment. Um, So this was Clint Eastwood's (laughs) first nomination and win for Best Director. Um, He would go on to win Best Director again in 2004 for Million Dollar Baby. And he would receive two other, excuse me, two other nominations for Best Director. Um, And this is the first of five Clint Eastwood movies to get a Best Picture nomination. And... First of his two movies to get a Best Picture win. I'm thinking of later Clint Eastwoods, and I sort I take back what I said about Native Americans. That might be a little too uh, sensitive for Clinty Clint. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, Clint Eastwood. Uh, I, for as good as he is as a movie maker, uh, him as a we're not here to talk about that. Let's yeah, just we're not talk get, about not the movie. Into our political differences and hey, Ross, you is, like Spike the, Lee? He made a movie. Yes. Um, so before we get to before we get to my best friend Spike Lee, um, the tops in the box office this year: um, first place, Disney's Aladdin. Second place, we had The Bodyguard. Well, we're gonna get copywritten now. We're, Disney will come in with the hammer of God Dude, because was, Caleb saying two I words. Promise, I was so off tone that they won't even pick it up. Son of a bitch, yeah. you're wrong. Um, the mouse so hears the, all. At number two, we had The Bodyguard, starring Kevin Costner and Whitney Houston. At number three, we had Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. Oh, Donald Trump's in that. Oh, yeah, fuck that guy. Uh, <laughs> Not anymore. They um, ate him out, I think. Oh, that's right. <laughs> oh, yeah, they did. I have a DVD version from, like, 2002, so he's still You're in You're going to have to edit that out now. They replaced uh, it with Elon Musk. Oh, God. Let's oh, keep going, keep going, keep going. <laughs> Bring Caleb it back, children. Bring it back. Fuck. 
Um, fourth place, Basic Instinct. And in fifth place, we had Lethal Weapon 3. Mm. So I have a very, very, very long list of movies. of Just a list of movies that came out this year. And it's kind of incredible. So we had Twin Peaks, Firewalk With Me. We had Wayne's World. White Men Can't Jump. Sister Act. Reservoir Dogs. Porco Rosso. The Player. Batman Returns, Hard Boiled, Newsies, My Cousin Vinny, A League of Their Own, Glengarry, Glen Ross, Chaplin, uh, Francis Ford Coppola's Dracula, and Sam Raimi's Army of Darkness. Wow. God, I love like, Army of Darkness. That's that's a fantastic oh, film. So good. That, that one deserves best picture over this, in my opinion. Uh, that is my that is my pick for better movie, and no one can tell me otherwise. So Dylan's Dylan's pick on a movie he rated an eight point seven five out of ten. <laughs> In the same year, he gives Army of he says that didn't sh- he sh- should not have won Best Picture. My you got pick, a problem with that? D- uh, Ross, do you think Unforgiven should have won Best Picture this year? Yes and no. Okay, because Spike Lee exists. It's yeah, it's one of those ones where I'm like. I really, really like this movie, and I'm not upset that it won. Um, but also, at the same time, there's a couple movies I like better, such as Spike Lee's Malcolm X, which came out this in 1992 and stars Denzel Washington in one of the best performances I've seen from him. Mm. Um, I haven't and, seen Malcolm uh, X. It's one of the few Spike Lee's I haven't indulged in, but it, I'm sure so, it's right up my alley. It, it's so good. And it hits. It has that Spike Lee gut punch at the end that you always get in a Spike movie. Uh, yeah. um, more of, uh, even as well. I mean, even aside from the stuff you know was coming at the end of a Malcolm X movie. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, but Denzel got nominated for best actor, and it got like it didn't even get an adapted screenplay nomination. It got something to do with cost. I think it got costumes, hmm. but it did not get nominated for best picture. Spike Lee didn't get best director. They didn't give it best adapted screenplay. Angela Bassett, who played um, Malcolm X's wife, did not get nominated for supporting actress. All around, just a big old. So it's about what you'd expect from the Academy. When of course, there are a bunch of racist yeah. assholes. What do you expect? You know, my pick for best picture this year. Any what? guesses? Is it Batman Returns? Encino Man. Oh. Shit, I forgot. Is that that's Brandon Fraser and fucking Polly Shore, yes, right? It sir. is. Which oh, I will give it to man. it, but Army of Darkness for life. For, 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 for life. All right, so we're we're all in agreement. We loved Unforgiven, but we all agree that it should have been Malcolm X, Army of Darkness, or Encino Man. Any of those three. <laughs> Nothing else. Oh goodness. Yeah. Well, stacked year all around. How long? Are, how long have we been going? I feel like we haven't been matter. going that long. It's oh, rolling. shit, we've been talking for 45 minutes. Bro, it's just the words are flowing, the conversation is flowing. This podcast is endorsed by ass. We have, like, the sky is our limit. <laughs> if, if uh, yeah, so BPP, endorsed by ass. If your company wants to endorse the Binge Picture Podcast, you can email us at bingepicturepod at gmail.com. All right, that's all I got. Um, do you guys want to <laughs> go uh, and do the Wheel of Watching? Do we have anything else? Yes. Um... Is it my turn no, to spin I the sang, wheel or roll the dice? I sang my song, so I've got every, I've knocked everything out. It's a fantastic song. I, I think it was the highlight. I mean, except for the ass thing. Um, except for the ass thing. <laughs> yeah, Dylan, if you want, if you want to roll the roll the wheel of watch, roll yes, the wheel of watching. Give me one second. I have um, to find the dice that fell on the floor. All right, I got the list up. I can I hit can, me with those clickety clackety math rocks. Clickety clackety math rocks. All right. You hear that, boys? You hear that? 
That's the sound of terror. It's the sound oh of my. a wheel. This is high. This is okay, really good, high. Good. We're in the well, 90s, children. We are in the 90s. If it's above 94, you have to re-roll it. <laughs> um, 91. Oh, no, you guys. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. It's happening. Oh, no. It's happening. Oh, no, Dylan. What have you done? It's Green Book time. (laughs) Oh, my God. I hate you. No, we got to get it over with. Green Book. We're getting over. Episode eight. Oh, fuck me. God damn it. (sighs) All right. Next week, Green Book. Um, Shit. We were one off from fucking Parasite. We were one off from fucking Parasite. Dylan, your wheel privileges are revoked. Yeah, Dylan doesn't get to spin the wheel anymore. Okay, fine. Could have been Shape Could have been Moonlight. Yeah, Uh, we were one off from Moonlight. We were one off from Parasite. I'm sorry that the dice decided to make you angry. (sighs) The dice don't make me angry. Green Book makes me angry. Well, on that, you'll have to figure out what happens next and why Ross hates Green Book. With the passion of God, on the next episode of the Best Binger Podcast, be sure to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and email us on... What's the email called again? Um, our Twitter page is at Binge Picture. Our email is bingepicturepod at gmail.com. And join us next week for just the fucking worst movie. I am... Oh, fuck. It's just, it was just any episode. Fuck. Jesus Ending Christ. episode. Join us next week.